From Kindred Church, your inclusive church family. This podcast is a collection of sermons from our weekly worship services in Durham, North Carolina. Whatever your background is, wherever you are on your faith journey, we hope this message helps you take your next steps in response to God's unconditional love. Well, hello and welcome to Kindred Church. It's great to be with you. If we've not met before, my name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here. And if this is your first time to tune in with us, we're especially glad that you've joined us. Our scripture for today comes from John uh, in the New Testament. Uh, We're looking at chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and then verses 14 through 18. And it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the Word, and without the Word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the Word was life, and the life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. And then jumping to verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made His home among us. We have seen His glory Glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified about him, crying out, This is the one of whom I said, He who comes after me is greater than me, because he existed before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. As the law was given through Moses, so grace and truth came into being through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. God, the only Son, who is at the Father's side, has made God known. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So here's a question that I want to get us thinking about together today. And and the question is this. What is God really like? What is God really like? I don't know if you know this, but we are living through a time right now when tons and tons of people are wrestling with this question. And among Christians especially, more and more Christians are are wrestling with, with what is God really like? There's this movement going on right now called deconstruction. Some of you have have heard of deconstruction. Some of you are in your own time of of deconstruction right now. This growing number of Christians are choosing to to take a step kind of back from the church, to to maybe take a break from church altogether because they've got concerns and and question and, and sometimes newfound skepticism about what their church has taught them to believe about God. And so they're kind of taking a break. They're taking a step back to do some process to do some rethinking of their own faith. And I know that at least for for some of you, this is kind of how you wound up here at Kindred Church, right? Like some of you have told me that in the past you were part of a different church. And for a long time you loved that church and you had friends there and it felt like a great spiritual home for you. But then at some point you heard something in a sermon or you found something on that church's website that, that you didn't know about before. Or you discovered that the church had a policy that you didn't know about before. And and suddenly you were asking, what is God really like? Because what I think God is like maybe doesn't align as closely as I thought with what this church believes that God is really like. And and so some of you, after a time, you you felt like you had to leave that church. And and some of you have told me the reason you landed here at Kindred Church is you feel like our church better aligns with with what you believe about God. And others of you have told me that you're still not sure, but Kindred Church feels like a safe place for you to land and and connect while you're figuring out what you believe about what God is like. The point is, this is going on all around us. 
Tons of people around us are, are wrestling with this question, and, and many of us ourselves are, are wrestling with, with what is God really like? And, and if we stop and think about it, to me, it, it actually makes a lot of sense that, that we would be wrestling with this question, especially for those of us who grew up going to, to church. Like, like many of you, I grew up going to church from a very young age. Uh, I went to Sunday school. I have colored thousands of pictures of cartoon Jesus. I have probably eaten my body weight in goldfish at Sunday school as a, as a child. I went to vacation Bible school over the summers, um, which is not a vacation, by the way. If you don't know, it's kind of a misleading name. I mean, it's, it's fun. I'm not knocking VBS, but it's not like vacation fun. A little misleading. Uh, I was in Christmas pageants growing up as a, as a kid in the church. I once had a starring role as Nameless Shepherd number three. I didn't get any speaking lines, but I looked really good in a potato sack costume, uh, I guess. Um, so like many of you, I, I grew up in church and, and I was taught from a very young age. Uh, what God is like. I was taught God is love. And God loves me and God loves everybody. The church taught me songs like, Jesus loves me. This I know. I was taught Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world. The, the rest of the lyrics of that song, if you know it, they're a little problematic here in 2023. Uh, but the song goes on to uh, affirm that uh, children of, of all nationalities and ethnic identities uh, are seen as precious in Jesus' sight that the church at a young age taught me verses like, for God so loved the, the world. And, and I know many of you had a similar experience, but, but then I know that some of you, it's like you, you became grown-ups and, and then you suddenly found that the grown-up church seemed to be working with a very different understanding of God because at some point as you moved into adulthood or maybe after you were already in adulthood, the, the church started saying things like, oh, by the way, Oh, by the way, there's this thing called hell. And it turns out most people are actually going there because they don't believe the right things or they don't live the right way. Or you were told, oh, by the way, there's this thing called complementarianism. And it means that only men can do certain things and certain things are off limits for women. Or maybe you were told, oh, oh, by the way, there's this thing called sexual orientation. And if you have the wrong one, then you don't really belong here. Or maybe you were told, hey, there's this thing called political power, and we need to work together to get as much of it as we can so that we can control people who are different from we are. And if that was your experience, I'm sure at some point you were kind of left scratching your head and, and thinking like, wow, well, that escalated quickly. Like, what happened to Jesus loves me? What happened to Jesus loves all the little children? What happened to for God so loved the world because so much of that does not seem very loving? And in fact, a lot of that makes it seem kind of like God is like a, like, like a straight, white, politically conservative American man, which, which is a little suspicious since oftentimes the person telling us these things just happened to be a, a straight, white, politically conservative American man, right? Kind of raises some questions. Kind of raises some questions. So I, it's, it's no wonder that so many folks are, are questioning, what, what is God really like? I mean, throughout our life, throughout our experience of church, a lot of us, we, we've gotten conflicting answers to this. In some cases, we've got very painful answers to this. It, it makes sense to me why a growing number of Christians would, would feel the need to, to kind of pull back from church a little bit and, and do some, some deconstruction to, to sort all of this out. Uh, but, but even as that happens, and I'm not knocking deconstruction, there, there's a place for that, but we got to be careful that in our desire to reject the harmful things that we've been taught about God, that we don't accidentally just make a God who is in our own image. 
that we don't accidentally just make a God who, who looks and thinks just like us, which can be kind of ironic, right? Like we, we got mad and left the church because it made, they made it seem like God was a, a conservative American. And so what do we do? We go off and decide, no, God is a progressive uh, American. We end up doing the exact same thing as the church that we left. That's, that's not good, right? So again, I'm not knocking deconstruction. There's, there's uh, certainly we need to reject the harmful things that we uh, have been taught about God, but we just got to be careful about making God in our own image and in reaction to that. And, and so the, the, the question is, like, how can we go about finding the answer? What is God really like? How can we know? Well, today, um, I just want to point out something that I think Christians on all sides often tend to miss in all of this questioning and, and all of this debate. Um, and that is that God has actually already told us what God is like. Like, we don't have to guess about this. We don't have to make up an answer for ourselves. God has already told us, and the answer is actually surprisingly simple. Like, like we, we make it so complicated. At the end of the day, it's really not that complicated. And, and as Christians, it's right in front of our face. But so often, I think we, we just can't see the forest for the trees. And so, uh, I just want to pull back today. I just want to pull us back to something that is very simple, to something that many of us already know, that many of us have been told before, but we so often lose sight of and we so often forget. What does God say? What does God say about what God is really like? Now, as we think about that question, uh, let's jump back for a few minutes to the first century together. Uh, back in the first century, there was this guy named John. Some of you know about John. John was a fisherman. John lived in a place called Galilee, and John was an early adopter in the, the Jesus movement. Actually, John was one of the first four people to ever follow Jesus, ever. He followed Jesus throughout Jesus's three-year public ministry. And then after Jesus's death and resurrection, John went on to become a, an important leader in the early first century church. And then at the end of John's life, when John is a very, very old man, after a lifetime of following Jesus, after a lifetime of leading this new thing called the church, at the end of his life, John decides he's gonna sit down and he's going to write a book. And this book that John is going to write, the, the whole point of it is to tell Christians like you and like me that, that we have a clear answer. We know what God is really like because God has already told us what God is really like. That's what John's book is about. Now listen to what John says in the opening chapter of his book. This is from the passage that I read earlier in John chapter 1. Verse 18, just 18 verses into his book, he says this. John says, no one has ever seen God, which is true, right? No one has ever seen God. Why? Because God is transcendent. God is beyond. You can't just call up God on FaceTime and say like, what's up, God? Uh, this, this is not how it works. When my wife and I um, first began to pray with our children um, before they went to bed, which is a great thing for, for you parents to do if, if you're not doing that already, uh, but when we started to, to do that, uh, our, our kids would sometimes ask us questions like, where is God? And, and I would say things like, well, God is here, you know, God is with us. And, and they look at me like, oh, I'm looking around, Daddy, and, and I see you and, and I see Mommy, but I don't see God. Like, is God hiding? Like, that's, that seems kind of scary. John is saying to us here, hey, relax, everybody. There's nothing wrong with your eyes. No one has ever seen God. To, to which we might say, well, then, okay, John, how do we know then? How do we know what God is really 
like, and John says, bingo, bingo. I'm so glad you asked that all important question. Listen to what John says next, still in verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but John goes on, God the only son. Pop quiz, who is God the only son? Who is John talking about there? John's talking about Jesus, right? God the only son who is at the Father's side has done what? Did you catch this when I read it earlier? Has made God known. God the only son who is at the Father's side has made God known. John is saying to us, hey people, you want to know what God is like? You want to know what actually God says that God is like? It's, it's really not that complicated. At the end of the day, it's, it's not. It's actually this simple. Jesus is what God is like. Jesus is what God is like. Is God just like me? No, Jesus is what God is like. Is God just like you? No, Jesus is what God is like. Is God a conservative American? Is God a progressive American? No, because Jesus is what God is like. So if I'm questioning what my church has taught me about God, if I'm questioning what I should believe, if I'm deconstructing, where should I turn? John says, turn to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is what God is really like. I was thinking about this this week, and I think that this is the number one most important thing that I could ever teach you as a pastor. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. If I was never, ever going to see you again, if I could leave you with just one thing that you would always remember, it would be this. It really would be this. So humor me for a second. Wherever you are, if you're driving, if you're watching this on your couch, whatever, let's just say this out loud a couple times together because I want to know that this is sunk into your heart. I want to know that it's sunk in to your mind. Let's say this together. Jesus is what God is really like. Jesus is what God is really like. Like we, we make it so complicated, we get so confused, we often overlook this. It's, it's really, at the end of the day, not that complicated. Jesus is what God is really like. That's what John is telling us here in this opening chapter of his book. And then what does John do? John goes on to give us 21 rich chapters all about what Jesus is like so that we can see what John is like. And John is not alone in this. The entire New Testament, some of you know this, the entire New Testament part of the Bible is just a collection of writings by different people who, just like John, were obsessed with Jesus. And they were obsessed with Jesus because they were convinced, just like John, that Jesus really is what God is really like and so they wrote about it and they talked about it and they and they um, spread this this word and, and these documents became part of what we now call the New Testament and now that we know this looking back we can actually see in the Old Testament the whole time the Old Testament is is pointing us ahead to to find what God is really like in Jesus. So why am I bringing all of this up today? Why bring this up today? Well, the reason is because we are in week two of the sermon series that we're doing on the Apostles' 
Creed. Um, as we said last week, uh, we're, we're going to be exploring over these next several weeks some of the foundational beliefs of the Christian faith. Why? Is it because we just want to learn some abstract theology? Uh, no, it's because our beliefs about God shape our relationship with God. This stuff has really practical implications for our lives. And so as we're exploring what we believe about God, we're using the Apostles' Creed as a guide. The Apostles' Creed is one of the oldest statements of faith in all of Christian history, and it's one of the most widely embraced statements of faith around the Christian world to this day. And if you look at the Apostles' Creed, which we've got the full text for you in the video description here or in the podcast description, pull it up. If you take a look at it, One thing that may jump out to you, it certainly jumps out to me, is that over half, over half of the Apostles' Creed is devoted specifically to Jesus. There are other parts of it. The scripture tells us other things about God and and summarizes other big foundational beliefs of our faith. We're going to talk about those in other weeks. But over half of the creed is devoted specifically to Jesus. Now, why is that? Well, it's because the creed is trying to summarize for us The very same thing that John tells us, the same thing the whole New Testament tells us, the same thing that the whole Bible tells us, which is that Jesus is what God is really like. If we had more time today, we could kind of go through the creed line by line and unpack all of these things that that it says about Jesus. The creed has a lot to say about who Jesus is and and what Jesus has done. Some of you may have some questions about what the creed says about Jesus and and shoot me those questions. I'm I'm happy to to chat with you offline about that. We don't have time today to unpack all of it because this would be a 15-hour sermon. None of you would listen to a 15-hour sermon. Uh, So instead of unpacking all of this in detail, let me just give you this encouragement. Let me just give you this encouragement. Wherever you're at on your faith journey today, whatever your relationship to church might be, if you are questioning what is God really like, look to Jesus. That's my encouragement for you. Look to Jesus. And if you are not questioning what is God really like, you probably should be. You might be a little overconfident that you've got it all figured out. And if that's the case, you may have a God who looks suspiciously a lot like you. So all of us, all of us should be looking to Jesus, learning from Jesus, spending time with Jesus so that we can find out what is God really like. You know, there's a reason that Jesus calls us disciples. You know, that's a very churchy word. Like you show up to church and you hear this word thrown around, disciples. What does that mean? Disciples is what Jesus calls his followers. And the word disciple means student. Literally, that's what it means. We we are called to be lifelong students of Jesus. We're called to study Jesus, learn from Jesus. And and I think, let me challenge you for a second. Let me challenge you. Uh, Don't take this the wrong way. And if you're not a Christian or you're not sure what you believe about all this, you can feel free to ignore what I'm about to say. But I think if we're honest, most of us Christians are probably not studying as closely as we should be, right? Like most of us Christians, I think we have some room to to hit the books a little harder when it comes to Jesus. There is so much we have yet to learn, and there's so much that would actually be really helpful for us to learn. Let me give you some examples. I know some of us right now, even as we speak, we're struggling in our relationship with money, for example. Well, guess what? Jesus talks a lot about our relationship with money. Some of us are are struggling with worry. Jesus talks to us 
about worry. Some of us are struggling with anger or with with hate. Jesus talks to us about anger and hate. Uh, Some of us have big questions. We have big questions about suffering. Jesus talks to us about suffering. Some of us have big questions about what am I supposed to be doing with my life? What is God calling me to do? Jesus talks to us about what God wants us to do with our life. Some of you have a passion for social justice. Jesus talks a lot about social justice to the point that if you don't have a passion for social justice, you should probably get one. Uh, some of us are in desperate need of freedom. We're, we're desperately looking for freedom for freedom from guilt and from, and from shame. Jesus talks to us about freedom from guilt and from shame in all of these many ways, in all of these areas of our life, in so many more, Jesus shows us what God is like. Jesus shows us what God's uh, desires are. Jesus shows us what God's feelings are towards us. Jesus shows us so much about God. The question is, are we listening? How often are we listening? How well are we learning? Are, are we being the kind of active students that Jesus calls us to be. That, that's a convicting question, at least for me. And, and if you think about it and, and you realize, wow, I, I probably could be learning more about Jesus. I could be spending more time with Jesus. Let me give you a couple practical ways that you can do that. If you're not already in the habit of worshiping on a weekly basis, that is a great first step. It's a great first step. Some of you don't know that you're actually allowed to worship every single Sunday. I'm picking on you a, a little bit. I'm picking on you. But, but it's true, and, and you're encouraged to do that. Why? Well, because among other reasons, every time we get together for worship, we're going to be spending time with Jesus. We're going to be talking about Jesus in some form or fashion. Uh, if you're not yet in a small group, if you're not yet serving on one of our Sunday morning volunteer teams, that's a great next step as well. Because every time you show up to group, every time you show up to serve, I promise you in some form or fashion, we're going to be talking about Jesus. Um, for, for some of you, a great next step would be carving out some time to actually read scripture on your own during the week. Like between Sundays. Uh, you can actually do this. You're encouraged to, to do this. Some of you grew up Methodist like me and, and no one ever told you like you can read your Bible and you should read your Bible. It's not just a Baptist thing. Uh, I'm here to tell you that, that that's true. I introduced you to the Gospel of John today. So now you have a little bit of background on it. You can start with John chapter one and just read a chapter a day or a chapter every time you, you have a, a chance to sit down and, and do that. And on every single page and just about every single verse, you're going to be seeing uh, what more and more of, of what Jesus is like. Um, and as you do all of these things, as you do all of these things, you're, you're going to be seeing more clearly what God is like. And, and as you get to know Jesus better and better, uh, so, sometimes it's going to comfort you like nothing else in this world. And sometimes it's going to raise questions for you and you're going to feel like you have more questions than answers. You're going to feel confused. That's okay. Sometimes Jesus is going to challenge you to your core in a way that pushes you well outside your comfort zone, but, but that's okay too. As, as you keep learning from Jesus and spending time with Jesus, you're going to be gaining more and more clarity. You're gaining more and more knowledge of, of what God is really like. And, and as you do this, you're, you're not always going to find a God who looks just like you, and I'm not always going to find a God who looks just like me. But we are going to find a God who is so much greater than just a projection of ourselves and, and our own desires. We are going to find the God that we need as we keep looking to Jesus. Jesus is going to show us over and over in so many different ways 
what God is really like. Let me pray for us. Well, gracious and and loving God, uh, we want to know what you're like, God. We want to know so that we can grow in our relationship with you, so that we can serve you faithfully in this world, so that we can respond to your love in appropriate ways and, and advance your kingdom in this world because the world so desperately needs it, God. But we often get confused. We've often received conflicting answers from the church and and other places about you and and what you're really like, God. So so help us to find the clarity that we're looking for. We we thank you for the gift of Jesus, that this fullest revelation of who you are. God, equip us, inspire us, motivate us, give us everything that we need to keep learning from Jesus, to keep spending time with Jesus so that we can grow in our knowledge and love of you, God. And as we do that, we pray that it would make a difference in our hearts and our lives and that we would make a difference in the world to, to make this world more like the world that you have created it to be. Again, we thank you for Jesus. We pray all of this in his name. Amen. Uh, well, friends, a couple of quick things here for us before we go. Uh, if you're new to Kindred, I would love to connect with you. Just click the connect link in the description and uh, I'll reach out to you later this week. Look forward to getting to know you. Uh, also, if you are local, we would love to see you in in-person worship. It's a great way to spend some time with Jesus and learn more uh, about Jesus together with us. Get on our website. It's kindrednc.church. You can get all the details about in-person worship there. And finally, click the announcements link that will keep you up to speed on the ways that we've got for you to get engaged with us and grow in your faith with us at Kindred Church. So with that, friends, remember that we love you and we hope you have a great week. Thanks for tuning in. If this message was meaningful to you, consider sharing it with a friend who might also find it meaningful. To support this ministry, to get involved with Kindred Church, or to learn more about us, check out our website, kindrednc.church. We hope you have a great week.